Cap and Steve. Uh, I'm sorry, not Steve. Uh, Iron Man. Yeah, Tony. Tony's my name. <laughs> yeah, hello. <laughs> Good job. Hi. The Incomparable, number 416, July 2018. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable's Summer of Marvel. We are going to continue by putting, wrapping ourselves in the American flag and talking about Captain America, colon, the first Avenger, which I prefer to think of as Captain America and not have the title be just a shameless ploy promoting next year's Avengers movie, which is what it was. Um, and also we're going to revisit, we did a whole episode on it, but we're going to revisit it and rewatch it with, with a little bit of history uh, between us and, the, and that movie, The Winter Soldier, the second Captain America movie on our Summer of Marvel. Joining me are three lovely guests to talk about these two Captain America films. First First off, he's from Fresno, Chief. It's Joe Rosenstiel. Hi, hi, Jason. Glad to talk about the Rocketeer again. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Pretty. We'll we'll get there. We'll we'll get there. Um, she's actually a human mind stored on a thousand reel to reel tapes. Aline Sims. Hello. Uh, you found me out. <laughs> and of course, our our a very own Star Spangled Man with a plan, Tony Sindelar. Hello. Uh, on your left. Nerds. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, yeah. Ner- the nerds love the uh, the running and other yeah, heavy nerds. exercise references. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you know me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, we we watched these Captain America movies, and we're going to talk about just it's the summer Marvel. You know, time to look back at these things that we maybe didn't cover in depth and and uh, and reflect on them. So we'll start with. Of course, the uh, the one that we only we did cover Captain America. Uh, Tony and I were both on episode fifty seven of the Incomparable, where we talked about four different summer superhero movies from twenty eleven, including Captain America. Also, Green Lantern is in that. <laughs> which maybe I'm why sorry, I, who maybe why I blotted that episode out. That also that episode you could actually listen to it. It's where I met Tony for the first time. It's on that episode. <laughs> It's a yep. it's a magic magic thing, but we're gonna go back again to 2011. Captain America: colon, The First Avenger, if you really want to call it that, uh, the origin story of uh, Captain America wrapped in a framing sequence that sets him up to be found in the present day, so he can be in the Avengers, which came out the next summer, which is why it was called colon. The first Avenger. Um, this is a movie directed by Joe Johnston, who directed The Rocketeer. And I think a good match of director to story in that this is a largely a war movie. A uh, a World War II uh, feels a little bit like a World War II propaganda movie intentionally. And I think does a really good job of it. Um, so, yeah, let's start with Captain America, the first avenger um i wanted to i wanted to kick it off by saying that there are several moments in this where i really um am sad that because of the avengers movie they had to drag him to the present day um one of the things that every time i watch it i think is there's that little segment in the middle where he and the howling commandos are having adventures in world war ii and it goes on there's it's there's kind of a montage and i always feel sad when when the movie moves away from that because they're really interesting characters 
as much as we see of them and but the movie's like nope forget it we have to go because yep. we have to there's a guy with a hat there's a guy with a different hat <laughs> yeah yeah there's snappy, yeah. some snappy dialogue and then we're they're gone those guys we don't see the hat guys anymore because we got to nope. get to we got to get to the present day yeah we got to freeze this guy and thaw him in 75 years and anyway i i i always feel like they don't do enough with um with the the howling commandos they seem they seem like they're, they could have had a lot of interesting adventures together um none of which we get to see except the tragic one where bucky um dies or does he mm, spoilers yeah yeah in a way he does die yeah sure he does he does we could say that in another more accurate way he does not <laughs> <laughs> that's true so uh, where, where to begin let's start with chris evans how about that let's start with chris evans one of, let's start with chris evans um i think he's great one of the things that um that they gave me pause this time that i've never noticed when i watched this movie before and i think it's because i'm so familiar with chris, chris evans now is that those scenes where he's where he's been um computer altered to put his head on a on a little body to be a scrawny 98 pound lightweight um i think i accepted those pretty well when i watched this movie uh the first few times but i know chris evans well enough now that it's it's harder for me to accept those scenes and not feel like he's um you know like his head is just a little too big and his voice is just a little too deep and resonant for that character um which is funny because it never bothered me at the time but uh but he does inhabit this part when he's a 98 pound weakling and when he's the big strong guy who's running in his bare feet down the street chasing after the hydra agent who's stolen the magic blue serum what do you think about uh chris evans aline Chris Evans is my favorite of the Chris's in Hollywood. Huh. Um, and so I'm always like, that's part of the reason I love the winter, not the winter soldier. I love Captain America so much is because, <laughs> um, yeah, I know it's very different. Um, <laughs> because, um, I just like Chris Evans. I mean, he's pretty and like, I can't not say that he's not pretty because he is, but, uh, I just, I think that he is a good actor and I think he's a good embodiment for who Captain America is supposed to be, you know, that the blonde hair, blue eyed, all, all American guy. Um, and I, I also had those moments though, watching it this time and it hadn't bothered me before. I'm like, I don't, I don't know that, that it's aging well the 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 head on the body the the head on the body yeah it's just i i had the i had a couple of little twinges especially when he was like talking to like agent carter and they were in the car together and i was like "Mm, i don't know i can i can i feel like i can see see through the magic a little bit see through the veil um but i i love him i love I love his, um, like he has good chemistry with everybody. Like it's just, it's good. It's, there's a reason Captain America is my favorite, um, of all the Marvel universe movies. Mm. Um, these two, like I watch these over and over and over again. I can't tell you the last time I watched, uh, the Avengers, any of the Avengers movies or Iron Man or anything. I watch Captain America over and over and over again. Joe, you have, do you, what do you think? About, I mean, I want to hear what you think about Chris Evans in general, but I also want to, I think, uh, I want to hear from you about like what you think about these these effects. Now, is it are they are they aging? Were they never great, or is it just our familiarity with Chris Evans that makes us realize, hey, that's that's not his body? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's mostly our familiarity with Chris Evans uh, makes it distracting, uh, it, particularly when he's not talking. <laughs> it's it's 
more acceptable. As you said, he has, he has a very deep, resonant voice. I just kind of wanted him to talk like this when he was the weakling, right? I just kind of wanted him to do a little voice, and maybe it would have been bad. I don't know. Maybe they tried, and they're like, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, no, you can't do that. But it just, you know, now I know, right, we're familiar with him. And so now when seeing him when he's not him, you're like, hey, wait a second, that's not the guy I know. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want it to be like, cartoonishly squeaky etc but uh they they went so far on making him small <laughs> as a, 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 to to contrast with uh the the change after the serum that uh it, it he's he's almost unbelievably slight uh yeah he's like a funko pop it's just a giant head on a little tiny yeah. body yeah it, made he, of vinyl. he's very very twig like um there there was uh they, they even like they the uh british actor that they had as basically a body double and they would shoot all these shots with the body double with chris with nothing there as a clean plate uh and then it would all go to a facility uh lola who does all of the marvel like human oriented stuff and uh they like uh peggy carter in the sequel um lola did that uh in the vision uh lola does that uh but this is a situation where uh, they, they're just transforming him and transforming even the the skinny British actor uh, in the few scenes where he's in there. He's actually made even skinnier. Ah. Um, they, they're tapering his jawline and stuff like that. And the tapering of the jawline um, can impact things because it makes it seem like he has an enormous top of his head and then a teeny <laughs> tiny chin. Right. Um, it's it's really weird in some shots. But for the most part, I find it holds up. And as, to Aline's point about the car driving scenes, uh, it, it seems to be that the seeming on three quarters shots um where you're uh basically looking not dead on or not completely to the side or to the ba- uh, to the back of them like those ones it seems like they had more difficulty with the integration of things which would make sense but uh what if i'm more distracting about those scenes is uh the bad green screen behind them um it, that the, the the driving comps uh don't, don't hold up as well as the captain mm-hmm. america effect uh but i i just in general love chris evans uh i'm surprised how much of this film when i went back and rewatched it i probably has been like six years or something like that since the last time I'd seen it. I'm surprised how much of it is uh, has skinny Steve in it. Um, yeah. They they really wanted to show us like what he what he what he was like before the transformation, so that we would get a sense of his personality, and it wouldn't just seem like this serum made him into the person that he is, so that we see later. Uh, and I think Chris Evans does a very good job of that. Uh, I, I find his acting believable, especially when he's in the scene with the movie theater and he's getting beaten up in the alley. Uh, he, he just will not stay down. He's, he's, he's going to keep going because he doesn't like bullies. And uh, it is uh, something that really helps convince you that he, he, uh, that, he, that he is Captain America, just not just without all of the the serum trappings i love captain america i love chris evans uh and i think he he's he's a real gift in this movie uh i think he he really elevates uh what what they were able to do uh uh i think you know lots of people love robert downey jr as iron man and you know i i I can see the appeal but uh chris evans goes goes a lot further into my heart is what i'm saying uh 
I, I think he's just delightful. He is, you know, he's from the state that I live in now. Um, my, uh, my state, my, uh, representative in Congress is actually his uncle. Uh, he doesn't huh. look like Chris Evans, just to save you a Google image search. Um, <laughs> sorry, but you don't. Um, no, I think, I think this, this movie, uh, I don't, I don't love the first Avenger, uh, but I love a lot of the moments in it. Uh, and I think that that is, is all thanks to Chris Evans and that they, they really, uh, I guess they, they did a great job with, with finding him. Uh, and and elevating him because some of his earlier per- per- work was you know was okay but uh, l- yeah <laughs> not not so, another teen movie and uh, two I haven't seen that fours. one <laughs> yeah I, I've seen I've seen one Fantastic Four uh, and you know that could, that could have destroyed a lesser Chris um, so <laughs> and we haven't found out anything horrible about Chris Evans yet which is uh, not something you can say about everybody there's a hard role I mean you're you're running around with a with a shield and an American flag costume mm-hmm. um, what is it I mean this this character like what is what does this character mean representing America this is also a movie that you're trying to sell overseas it's not just for American audiences like how do you make all of that work and how how do you make him not like kind of so corny and so mm-hmm. se- just like lapsing into self-parody and they and they go into more of an even interesting perspective on that in winter soldier but sure. this character could have been really schmaltzy and i say that as as a boy scout um like you know there, there's, there's only so much of a certain captured america uh depictions you, you right. can take at times and sometimes the, the, you know the comics version of captain america yeah, you know, like you can only handle him in certain quantities. So, uh, not one of my yeah. favorites. No, I I think it helps that they lean into that during mm-hmm. the the tour because then they go into oh no, but really he's genuinely you know good guy who wants to knock Hitler out for realsies. And I, I think that it helps that they do that kind of self parody to begin with. And they lead with that. And then they go into, Oh wait, there's actually more to it. I kind of, I feel like it like overwhelms <laughs> you with how, how bad the shtick is so that when, it, when he's actually genuine, you're not thinking about how bad it could be because you've already seen it be really bad. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think this is mm-hmm. one of the clever things that the script, the script does is the moment when he proves himself right he he gets transformed so he gets selected against tommy lee jones who i find very enjoyable in this doing the tommy lee jones right i mean <laughs> let's just say it he's he's mm-hmm. he's lovable but cranky okay let's get tommy lee jones um <laughs> but but despite all that stanley tucci as dr erskine says like no no this is the guy i want and so he gets transformed and then he saves the day by um chasing the the hydra agent and stopping him and all that in a very fun scene where he's again barefoot running down the streets of new york uses a a cab as a cab door as a shield and all of that and the kid kid gets thrown in the water and says i can swim and he keeps going all (laughs) that stuff it's great i love that scene so much but um so he he's successful and what what happens he gets taken away for a pr tour he doesn't actually get to use his power and fight the war he he, and and you know he's doing it for a reason he sells he sells more war bonds he's an effective salesman he does get you know booed off the stage when he goes to the front which which then is that twist where you're like yeah but he's not taken seriously this is silly and and it's it's um you know when he's put when he's confronted with the people who are actually fighting the war um you know he he questions as he should sort of like what he is doing and that causes him to kind of change but it is a lean you're totally right i agree with you completely like um seeing him punch hitler 
um, and 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 do his little his little spiel written on the back of his shield and all of that. Like that's 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 really effective in um, making you know making you root for this guy who's just been transformed because he's he's not living up to his potential he's not being able to do what he wants to do even after having gone through that whole transformation he still can't actually go fight the war which is what he wants to do and so then then he can finally do it and and it also leads to those funny scenes um i i there there is a scene that just floored me this time watching it which is um when he's freeing all the people from the uh from the the i don't know the blue lightning factory that the red skull runs <laughs> um at one point they're like are you, are you sure you can do this he's like i'm gonna go free more people and are you sure you can do this he, and he says absolutely i've punched out hitler 200 times and it's just and he doesn't he doesn't do the modern ironic thing where his mm-hmm. answer would be something like Shh, i have no idea what i'm doing and you know he instead he, he very seriously says i punched hitler 200 times and then he moves off it's funny and it also is a great you know a great callback to the fact yeah. that he has been he has been wanting to do something all this time and all he gets to do is punch the hitler on stage which is probably not fun it's so perfectly sincere. Uh, I mean, he's not trying to sound cool. He's not trying to impress these guys. He's just stating like his confidence in himself in, in yeah. almost in almost a tick like way mm-hmm. uh, that I appreciate. And, and I think he's he is joking, but he's joking in the way that that character would joke, which is you know a not a modern ironic way, but a a a, a little bit more of a you know I punched Hitler two hundred times. Uh, like it's it's a joke that we can read one way, but it, it's in fitting with the character. I, I really I really like that about it, and that's that's the great thing is that he doesn't he doesn't come across as the tick when he's when he even though he he totally could right as he becomes a hero he totally could be talking about calling everybody chum and talking about how the you know fighting for justice and all those things and chris evans you know you always feel like he's just doing it because he's a decent guy because that's his superpower the the i think the most clever thing in this um mentioning uh stanley tucci earlier and it's great he's another fun actor like tommy lee jones stanley tucci to be in this movie and the whole point of stanley tucci's character is to impress upon the people in the uh, in the army, that he's not looking for a soldier, because what makes a good, or or at least he's looking for a, a different kind of soldier, because what makes a good soldier is not them being mean or or wanting to fight uh, and be violent and things like that. It's being is decency and heroism and being a good person and that that's the whole point of why he picks steve is that he sees that steve even when he's a 98 pound weakling is going to stand up for his principles and be a decent person and in the end you know yeah he's a super soldier and he's got muscles and he can throw a shield and stuff like that but really the thing about captain america that sets him apart is that he does the right thing like he always does the right thing he's he's a very honorable person and that's his most super power and and chris evans gets that across it's really well done um uh let's see what else stanley tucci i mentioned yeah i, I just wish he didn't talk like ludwig uh von drake um, yeah. that, that's the only <laughs> thing that kind of gets to me <laughs> There, there, there are a bunch of it. I, I, I was enjoying Toby Jones's uh, weird Swiss German accent this time too. Because mm-hmm. this is a movie where there are a lot of people doing accents. Let's just say, 
there are there are a lot of people doing accents. Yeah, impossible to find any German actors at all. <laughs> no, nope, they're not available. Um. Uh. Oh. Okay. Speaking of which, uh, let's talk about Hugo Weaving. He's our bad guy. He's Johann Schmidt, the Red Skull. We see him for a while looking like a human being, and uh, then later he is like he is in the comic books, just a guy whose head is a red skull. I mean, it's not just a clever name. That's what he looks yeah. like. Um, and I, you know what? I really, I really enjoy Hugo Weaving in this movie. He he starts at cartoon Nazi. And uh, then cranks it up like 10 notches from there. <laughs> he, he fits in with the world that this film takes place in where, uh, you know, the, there are Nazis like evaporating each other over who gets to be Hitler's favorite. And they have souped up limousines and uh, giant tanks that are 10 times bigger than any other tank that maybe don't make any sense. So I feel like he, he his depiction of the Red Skull fits into the story this, this movie is showing us in the world they're building uh, pretty solidly. This episode of The Incomparable in our Summer of Marvel is also being brought to you by our awesome friends at Pingdom. Now, why? Why is Pingdom awesome? Pingdom is awesome because they are the company that helps keep your site and the sites you love alive on the internet, online, running smoothly. How do they do it? They're monitoring all the time. They're watching, very quietly watching. So you don't have to. You don't have to be checking, is my site up? Is my site up? Is my site up? Is my site up? Boy, that will get old. I'm tired of it after saying it three times, quite frankly. They'll do that for you silently. They're watching, and they'll give you real-time feedback. The moment something goes wrong, ping, you know it. You know what's going on with your site at all times. Because, here's the thing, computers are awful, and things break on the internet all the time. Somebody should write about computers, and, and t- somebody should do podcasts about computers for that. Anyway, uh, things break on the internet all the time. It's because of computers. Every month, Pingdom detects 13 million outages, 400,000 times a day. One of the computers that Pingdom is looking at is not doing its job. It's falling down on its job. Come on, computers, get it together. Anyway, regardless of whether you have a small website or a complete infrastructure that's full of these unreliable, dangerous, and suspicious computers, it's super important to monitor availability and performance. You don't want your site to be down and know nothing about it until you get a complaint, until a tweet comes in and says, uh, your uh, shopping cart's not working. Uh really? And you've lost sales at that point, and it's not good. Or an email, angry email, dear sir, I'm writing to you because your website is not working. That could happen. Be delivered by a passenger pigeon that's... I don't know. Anyway, you need Pingdom. What I'm saying is, Pingdom solves all of this, and it's easy to get started. Pingdom just wants the URL you want to monitor. They'll take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash Snell, my name, right now. You'll get a 14-day free trial. So for those 14 days, you pay nothing. You don't give them a credit card. And if something happens to your site, you will still be notified about it. And if you love it, then sign up and use the code Snell, my last name, at checkout, and you'll get 30% off your first invoice. Thank you to Pingdom for saving us from these really questionable computers that may or may not be reliable and for supporting the incomparable. I'm a little underwhelmed by the makeup for the Red Skull um, because they put a lot of effort into the reveal of the Red Skull. Yeah. They're like, oh, his face is so horrifying that Toby Jones is uh, uh, hesitating in terror uh, and the the guy painting his his portrait is is basically queasy uh, Mm -hmm. from doing it. But then when you see him, it's just like, oh, it's just kind of like a Halloween mask and then we've digitally Mm -hmm. pushed his nose in a little. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I wish I wish it was more like you know gory or something to mm-hmm. to get You're that looking across. For the kind of like the two face in uh, uh, depiction or something like that. Well, for a skull, like look look at the bottom. What I noticed this time in that reveal scene is look below his nose. And it's just a, it's just a face. Like he's not, the, yeah. it's like, like below the nose, he's just the red face. <laughs> he doesn't, he's not bone like or skull like mm-hmm. in any way. They didn't even try. He's just mm-hmm. smooth. Yeah. I think that Michael Westmore put more effort into like Skeletor's makeup in the He-Man movie than, <laughs> than went into this. Yeah. It's a weird choice. I, I think the, the whole thing is really weird. Like I, I get that they, they kind of didn't want just a guy whose face is a red skull um, walking around from the beginning. They like wanted to have that reveal. And yet I always think that it's a little bit strange that he, he, he just takes it off because I guess, cause Steve kicked him in the face. And so it's not perfect. And so he's like, Oh, well that's it. I'm never using that face mask again, but he wears it <laughs> most of the rest of the time, except when he's getting his portrait done. And, and it just, it's very, it's just a very strange, I, I, they just wanted to not have the makeup and have, you know, who Hugo weaving is for a while before you did the reveal, but it's, it's not, it doesn't really come off as well as I think they intended. Yeah, I mean, I could read into it that there's, there's, there's the kind of transformation he goes through, uh, where in the first half of the movie, he is, uh, he's running Hydra as part of Nazi Germany. And then, uh, the Nazi party shows up to like, Hey, where are you spending all this money? We yeah. need to see some receipts. And he kills them. And then I feel like from then on, he's like, I am now doing my own thing. I have, I have outgrown this. Uh, and I, and I don't need to wear a mask to make, to make the Nazis comfortable. The scene we don't see is where they're grilling him for the money he spends on the face prosthetics. Yeah. yeah. But you just threw that away. You could have fixed that. Why did you just throw mm-hmm. that down into the fire while you self destructed your laser? You the know, military industrial complex just burns through. So wasteful, like crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's so wasteful. I mean, he basically self-destructed the facility because like ten people got out of a jail cell. Um, yeah. So right, <laughs> you we're, know, we're we're outnumbered. We're we we can't. There there is there there are some very good lines that the Red Skull does. My favorite of which being when he finally meets. Because also there's this. Um, there's uh, the daddy issues in this movie are that Erskine um, never Erskine rejected. Johann Schmidt rejected the Red Skull. He's like, you, you know, you're you're a, my failed experiment, and of course, Steve Rogers is his successful experiment. So there, he definitely feels some animosity toward him there, um, and and that's kind of interesting. But when they finally meet in the the conveniently separatable bridge as the <laughs> fires are growing and the self-destruct mechanism is going off in this factory um the first thing he says is i am a fan of all of your movies <laughs> which is like a real insult right it's like you are a silly person who should not be taken seriously and i i, I like that a lot Hugo weaving he, you know he does a good villain and red skull is just I, I think there's a Toby Jones has a really good line where where um, somebody maybe Tommy Lee Jones points out that um, the Red Skull is crazy, and Toby Jones's line is like, "Who cares if he's crazy? He's going to do it. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter." And that that's really good. Like that. Yes, he is a mad villain. The dangerous thing is that he could actually make it work. He's got the mm-hmm. he's got the airships. He's got the 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 cool car. The hundreds of followers, apparently. Apparently, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we don't see their faces, so maybe it's just like six guys over and over again. But <laughs> uh, I believe one, the one who puts um, uh, the the Howling Commandos into the cell is, I think, Joe Johnston. But uh, you can only see like the lower portion of his face. Uh, okay, Peggy Carter. Let's talk about Peggy Carter. Great character who who went on to get her own not uh, long TV enough. Show. 
Haley Atwell. Mm. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, Haley Atwell. Uh, I, I she's she's delightful in this. I like her back and forth with Chris Evans. This is the moment where Chris Evans, uh, as as Steve Rogers is, uh, I, I like how he he's. It, both before and after his transformation is utterly baffled about the what the right thing is to say to her. Mm-hmm. The thing I love the most about Peggy in this movie is, well, I mean, everything, but um, also that she comes in and she is automatically, instantaneously showing these recruits who she is and where her expertise mm-hmm. lies, which is like, no, seriously, I can knock you out. Um, and you will listen to what I say. Yeah, and she I punches that. the bully in the face. <laughs> she punches the bully in the face, just lays him out. And I love that because I think about what it would actually be like to be a woman in that position in this time. Well, I mean, even modern times, even today, but even, you know, back then. And I'm like, yeah, she would definitely have to do that. And I like that they don't cower away from, from having her do that both showing her strength of character. Um, but also like they could have made it so that she was like, Oh, well, I guess I have to wait for the higher ups to get here to figure out what to do because these people aren't treating me very well, but it's automatically like, Nope. And I like that. She's like constantly putting Steve in his place. I like it when she fires the gun at him. I think it's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. Oh, uh, <laughs> like I just, I love her and I loved agent Carter and I was so sad that we only got it for a couple of seasons because I think she is such an amazing, character and I think that Haley Atwell is a really great actress for her that it just is so good so good well and although she does end up being the um the love interest for uh, for Captain America um she's a character first and the love interest comes later and I, I I like that about her she's not just there to do that she's there to be a promoter of him doing his thing she takes uh, she goes with Howard Stark and and uh, they they drop him behind enemy lines at his request she is you know she's got authority in the training she's got authority in the war rooms in the uk uh you know so you you see her as as all of those things although i will say yeah that that scene where she fires at at the uh at the shield as a test that is right after she's caught him kissing uh natalie dormer who mm-hmm. we all recognize her now yeah i didn't recognize her back then but no. when i was watching this i was like oh my god oh, <laughs> is. um and then so she empties you know several uh several bullets into uh into the adamantium shield so and he's like i'll take it <laughs> after she leaves the room I always have that wistfulness of, oh, well, you know, they have to rush, they have to rush to the end because they got to get him in the present day. But at the same time, it is the rare, not the only one, <clears throat> uh, spoilers, uh, Marvel movie that allows itself a really bittersweet ending, which I like when he chooses to sacrifice himself and they have that conversation on the radio where they make the date to go dancing that they've been talking about for a while. Um, she kisses him, you know, right as he's getting on the plane, which is, I kept thinking, you're going to go over there. They, they, for that kiss, you and Tommy Lee Jones may go over the edge of the mountain, of the cliff and in, in the Red Skull's <laughs> car, maybe hurry it up. But it's very nice. And then they have that conversation when he realizes he has to sacrifice himself. And it's very sad. And um, she calls on the radio and he's not there and it fades out. And like, I really like that it, that that's the thing that her presence is the thing that makes us sad that he 
is frozen. It, it's it's not just him being sad about it. It's like we all feel sad about it because that was he's this opportunity that they had together is lost because he's had to crash a a uh, a German uh, flying wing full of nuclear bombs into the ice of the North Atlantic as you do. As you do. Yeah, it happens. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you in part by ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard, multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Snell, if you please. That's me. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards all at once. Boom. It's done. One place and it goes everywhere. And they don't stop there. They have powerful matching technology, which allows them to scan thousands of resumes to find the people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So there's a uh, multi-posting aspect and a proactive finding recruiting aspect. It's so effective 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter will get a quality candidate through the site within a day. Yeah, that's right. A day. No waiting around, hoping somebody will apply for this job. They will find people for you fast. And with results like that, it's no wonder ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. Right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. You know it. You love it. ZipRecruiter.com slash Snell. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-N-E-L-L. Thank you, ZipRecruiter, for your support of the incomparable ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I agree with all the things you said about uh, Peggy. Um, And I, I do wish they were able to do more with her and uh, in the movie context at not just the TV series, because they know they can't carry her forward to the modern day or any of the other Howling Commandos or anybody else. So the only person who gets out of this and goes on to other movies really is, is Steve, even though there are, there's a cameo basically of, of older Peggy in the, the, the next movie. And they do talk about this dance um, that they, they referenced here. And it's, and it is a bit of a payoff on mm-hmm. um, this this ending of this film, um, but it but it is it is still pretty sad for Peggy. Yeah, yeah, we do get her in a few flashbacks. She appears. Um, isn't she, is she an Ant Man? I think too in a little cameo. Um, but she so she she's appeared in a couple of places, but it's always sort of like in a flashback um, to you know Shield or her other funeral, things happening. Funerals in Civil War, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah her her funeral's yeah. in Civil War, that's right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, she's great. It is, it is a shame. You, you're forgetting, though, we also get, uh, Bucky gets to come back. <laughs> mm. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, that'll be great. Yeah, he's, he's dead, but he gets to come back. Sebastian Stan will, will return. Uh, what does everybody think of the way that this movie ends with the, uh, waking up in the fake, apartment in old new york and then he runs out into times square and there's uh, samuel l jackson as as nick fury how's that ending hit you it's i mean i guess it's fun but it also it, it, there's something about it that just reminds me of how much this movie is just a like a setup for the avengers mm-hmm. that like like kicks me out of it uh and even this movie has because I, I mean i guess it's it's designed to be because i had forgotten uh until rewatching it uh the framing device that they also show him being found at the beginning um right 
right? And it was it was almost like I don't I don't know if they need that. Um, like I feel like that could that could just be explained in uh in in the Avengers movie, but I but in order because this movie has to be like an ad for the Avengers movie, it's in there, and it's weird. This movie has uh. I think the the, the post credits uh, scene for this is literally not really a scene, but like a trailer for the uh, the Avengers right. movie. So yeah, that that's that's weird. Um, you and, know, and so, the weird aspect ratio too. Yes, it's like watch all the way through to see an advertisement, not not a scene, <laughs> but, but it an starts like it's a scene. It starts with a scene, and, and, and then you realize it's, it's not. It's actually just an ad because that scene's literally. I, in I don't the know. Avengers. Was was our technology for for post credit scenes limited back then? Have we not? We we're still figuring out the format. But then um, there's another one too. There's like two. Yeah, I feel like today they would have done this differently. I feel like today mm-hmm. they would have had it be sad that Steve. Uh, we wouldn't have m- maybe the opening scene. We'd be sad that Steve had to sacrifice himself. There would be the credits, and then the mid-credit sequence would be him waking up in the present day. Yes, right. But back then, they did not have that confidence, and they hadn't necessarily mm-hmm. trained an audience that key parts of key information was going to be doled out after the uh, kind of animated credits block before the scrolling yeah. credits block. Well, because it kind of robs the sacrifice right away, right? He sacrifices himself, but he's okay. I mean, obviously, he is now like has to live in a world where he doesn't know anything and that's you know that that is its own horror but it it certainly kind of softens the blow on like you know he is sacrificing his life to save yeah. the world uh except no he's okay cuz he got frozen so my big problem is it, with it is i don't understand what nick fury's end game was with it like oh we're going to make him think that it's 19 19- 40 whatever and then we're gonna gradually bring him up to speed like i don't understand what that is what fury says the way samuel l jackson plays it 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 comes across to me as this you know the stupid doctors wanted it to do this way and i thought that was dumb but they they insisted that you would have been better this way and so i let them do it and it was it i was proven right that it was dumb i think i think they were just trying to ease him in a little bit and break it to him gently but i every time i watch this movie i think because he he breaks through the set that he's in and Mm -hmm. there are those photo backdrops it's like did they not expect him to like (laughs) go to the window and notice that that it was literally just a photo backdrop. It's not like he could, like he literally, once he got out of bed, the jig was going to be up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, so what were they thinking? I do like um, whoever the woman is who is cast as the, as the fake nurse who, who wakes him up. There's something about her and the way that the, the way that she's presented that I enjoy because it feels, she feels fake. <laughs> she feels like a, not quite she feels like an anachronism the way that she's mm-hmm. dressed i think and, it's it's her hair that and, really does yeah, a lot yeah of it. and the way she looks she doesn't like we've seen a whole movie that's period and now now they bring in her and it's like cosplayer you yeah, are fake so. you are not appropriate <laughs> yeah. for the period and i think that is actually a really nice intentional touch that i like but yeah i don't know what the end game is either because literally he would look out the window and be like oh that's a picture uh he doesn't need to detect what base what dodger game it was at ebbets field because uh there are pictures out the window it's not- yeah i mean yeah. maybe i think probably their plan was like oh you've woken up look we need to talk 
a lot has happened since you've been gone. Yeah. Please don't Hulk out and destroy our headquarters. Please don't Hulk <laughs> out and destroy our headquarters. And then they have to explain what the Hulk is. And then they have and to, then, and, oh, yeah. and then it's like, we have a manual of cultural references you are going to need to know about. And unfortunately, he hulked out and destroyed their headquarters right away because yeah. they played the wrong baseball game. Well, really, um, really what he did was he knocked down a set, went through a door and walked out into Times Square he, and he didn't have to go mm-hmm. very far. Yeah, so. I, I have a lot of questions about how, like, Shield's real estate decisions. Yeah, so. yeah. Why? Shouldn't, mm-hmm. shouldn't he be in a sub-basement in a, in a, 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 in New Jersey? I don't know. I mean, they, they made him in Brooklyn, which they explained they needed for power reasons. But yeah, he, he's... Um, I don't know. I feel like he's that you shouldn't be conducting secret operations walking distance from any tourist location. Probably that's not. how I feel. That's that's Tony Spymaster's point of view, but I'm no Nick Curry. What do I know? Yeah, I know the reason why they did it like movie wise because they want to show him juxtaposed with like the most jarring transition possible and what could yeah. be more jarring than Times Square. But yeah. mm-hmm. at the same time, it, it, you do have all these questions about like tactically budgetarily yeah. like <laughs> militarily like, it doesn't make any sense but you're right though i get it because i i love him running out into times square i think that's such a wonderful just pure movie moment of how does this guy discover that he's been frozen for 70 years he runs out into times square and we get a 360 as he's looking around mm-hmm. at all the flashing lights and the the moving screens in times square and then the cars pull up and and samuel l jackson gets out um I, that's a great moment but yeah the thing that comes before is like what exactly were you doing there but it's whatever it's fine it's fine it, it does the you know yeah they would i think they would structure it differently now but back then i think there was serious concern that people would just leave when the when the music started playing and then they come the next year to see the avengers and they'd be like hey how's captain america in this movie he died at the end of captain america and then somebody would be like no 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 but there was that scene after the credits but before the other credits and they're like what i just left i had a I you know I had to go back home. Well, do I have to do I have to like read a Wikipedia article yeah. before I can understand this movie? Yeah. What's this? But now we're all trained to just Kids sit today. there. Yeah, just yeah, sit there and watch it. Well, um, the last thing I wanted to say about this movie is again Joe Johnston, director of The Rocketeer, another period piece. Um, I think a great choice for this. I love how this movie looks. I, I love how it how it sounds. I love that it is that period. Uh, World War II movie, you know, the, the way it looks, the, the Red Skull's car, all the costumes, the, the, you know, where they, the, that scene where he's running barefoot. To chasing after the hydra guy like in the high waters it's yeah, awesome all the peri- yeah. <laughs> all the period detail the the stark the stark expo with the flying car uh which is like knowingly echoing iron man 2 but setting it in the past with tony stark's dad um the, i i get a kick out of that i think that's really really funny too the um i just i love that's one of the reasons i love this movie is that it is trying to be for most of its runtime uh this weird combination of yes it's a superhero movie but it's also a world war ii propaganda film it's a war movie it's about like you know we're gonna punch hitler or the red skull in the face and uh and i think it's really effective and i think that's why i think that joe johnston because he did the rocketeer it's like when 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 they chose him to direct this movie i was like that is the perfect choice for the material because that's somebody who you know the rocketeer similarly is uh is a a really great fun uh movie that that leans on the period detail yeah and 
it has an Alan Menken musical number right in the middle of it. So it, it, it that calls in all like maximum World War II propaganda stuff uh, there in the middle. So they're like heaping dollops of of style decisions yeah. all over this. Like it, it is not a generic movie in any way. Um, it doesn't feel like it could have been directed by just anybody off the street. Uh, it certainly doesn't feel like if the Russo brothers had been on working on this at the time that it would have looked or sounded anything like this. No. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy that uh, we have this, even though it is a bit of an artifact in, in terms of like what the Marvel universe is like um, when you're looking at like the world of tomorrow and things like that, things just, they don't seem real. They, it, everything's um, just a little larger than life and, uh, the saturation and the color palette and stuff like that. It's all, it's all tweaked in a very uh, vintagey, nostalgic, but not realistic way. So I, I, I appreciate his artistic vision. I love that those carried on to the Peggy Carter, Peggy Carter series too, like a non zero part of the reason I love the series so much were those like the costumes and the period touches and the, how they like adapted um, like what their view of high tech in the forties and fifties, like looked like, I think was all really great. And that's, you know, I think that's part of why I love Captain America and Peggy Carter so much is that it has those things. I think uh, on one level, this shows that uh, early on that a Marvel movie can be different and have a different feel. And we've seen that, um, in the last few years with a few Marvel movies, but this was an early case where, yes, there is part of Marvel that seems to be like, uh, we just need to make this movie so we can go on to the Avengers. But at the same time, it is a very different feeling movie. And it's it's the, a sign that they can make these movies and have them be different. They don't all have to feel like they're the same. Now, the writers of Captain America, uh, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, went on to write the Winter Soldier, but it was directed by the Russo brothers and not Joe Johnston. It feels very different. The a model for the 2014 movie, The Winter Soldier, um, was sort of 70s uh, paranoid conspiracy mm-hmm. movies like Three Days at the Condor. Um, and so, uh, of course, you cast Robert Redford as a senior government official. Um, one of the, again, many examples of how marvel seems to be able to cast literally anyone in a uh, in a movie people that you would never believe would be in a marvel movie or in a marvel movie and that continues to this day but robert redford may still be the one that gets me where it's like he and he's he's in the movie a lot he's not just like in a scene with stan lee or something right he's in the movie an awful lot um that we're soldier is uh modern day it's you know steve rogers is now working for shield um we we have a there's a conspiracy um nick fury is attacked at one point um there's weird stuff going on at shield they end up on the run uh there's a a trip to a bunker where we meet the computerized ghost of arnim zola which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie because it's so super strange uh we discover this mysterious uh uh, villain the the winter soldier and assassin who turns out to be sort of inexplicably in the movie context bucky who somehow survived because of probably toby jones's experiments on him they there's a line about that um that uh he was able to survive somehow and then was kind of brainwashed and turned into a an assassin by hydra um we we did talk about this in episode 190 of the incomparable which was titled the cloud is run by hydra 
And uh, but I wanted to I wanted to just ask everybody how they thought about uh, about this movie upon revisiting it because it's probably been a little while since you've seen it and certainly it wasn't fresh in your mind like it was when it came out four years ago. Um, Tony, what what did you think about uh, Winter Soldier upon rewatching it? What were what were the things that struck you? I you know I guess it, it it helps that it's more recent a little bit more recent than uh first avenger it uh this one holds up better for me uh I think it's the the story is is a lot more interesting to me uh, I guess I'm, I'm I'm probably more interested in spy movies than war movies uh I like the modern day take on it I I I love everything about you know Captain America now has this suit that's more like a stealth suit uh I like his arguments with uh with Nick Fury about like are we even doing the right thing what is what is all this like what has happened to America uh um, I, uh, you know, Robert Redford is, is, is great. Uh, I think just a lot of the action scenes are a little bit more exciting than anything that we got in the, the first Avenger. Um, this is the one where the, uh, the, you know, the, the Captain America movies start to get kind of muddled in my head in terms of whether they are Captain America movies or Avengers movies because of the number of characters in right. them. This is like the halfway point between Civil War right. where it's like, I don't understand why Civil War is not an Avengers movie. It's contracts. Yeah. Contractually, yeah. it couldn't be, but I I think that's exactly Thanks. right. As a person watching a movie, that makes sense yeah. to me now. <laughs> this is a Captain America. The way I describe it is this is the Captain America and S.H.I.E.L.D. movie. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. Civil War is a Captain America and the Avengers movie. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this this one is great. I The the uh, the action sequences, which is, you know, part of what I show up for a Marvel sure. movie, uh, stay with me a lot more from this one, uh, including some that are not uh, Captain America centric. The uh, the extended uh, kind of chase scene with, with Nick with Fury. Nick Fury really mm-hmm. stands out i think yeah. this is the best movie with samuel jackson in it of all the mcu yeah. movies i think he 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 does the best he has the most to do and he gets his own action scene which is great when he's under mm-hmm. assault on the street it's it's yeah it's it's really great i i also really like that overpass uh you know freeway overpass extended uh, action sequence where there are a bunch of different people running around and and black widow gets her time in that and uh and uh, uh the falcon uh anthony mackie gets gets his time in that too like there's everybody gets a little a little piece of time there yeah yeah the the action sequences are really good i know not everybody i I think lisa smizer in particular does not love sebastian stan as uh as the winter soldier slash bucky barnes but i I think he does an okay job in this i i like i mean the degree to which he plays the menacing soulless assassin is pretty good uh i i I mean he just he's got that good wild look in his eyes i love the the part on the street uh at the start of the sequence you just mentioned where like he basically kind of wanders around and he has this like little crew with him that just like put weapons into his hands yeah. and then he uses them uh that's that that sticks with me a great deal so i have a hard time i watched these movies back to back today and my brain still cannot connect that that is the same person in the first movie versus the second movie like it's just it i don't know you give him a little bit of scruff and some greasy hair and my brain just is like oh that's the perfect disguise this is how superman survived <laughs> i just yeah. i i have watched this movie with people um, I think maybe my wife did this where there's that big reveal, you know, where cause his mask comes off and there's that long shot and you see Steve and he's like, <gasps> and we see his face some more and, <gasps> and you see his face some more. And Lauren was like, 
Am I supposed to know who this guy is? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, me too. That's how I felt when I first saw this movie, uh, because it had been such a long time since I had seen the first movie. And Mm -hmm. I have to say that Bucky Barnes in the first movie is not particularly... Memorable? Sticky. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Compared to all the other Howling Commandos, he's just just the one that knew Steve before he was Captain America. Well, I mean, there's a big scene with his death uh, and, you know, Zola being responsible for it and all this other stuff. Like, there, there is stuff in there for Bucky. It's just that because he dies way before the end of that film, uh, dies, quote unquote, but uh, he he almost, you know, is not important for the last, like, Mm -hmm. act of the film. And in this one, all of a sudden, you know, this guy shows up uh, and his face mask comes off and it's just like, okay, you don't look anything like that other guy. uh, So I don't know where you came from. They even tried to put in a flashback in here to make us connect to the first film. Um, it shot very differently from how they they shot the the scenes in Brooklyn uh, yeah. in the first film, but uh, they have young uh, they they have Bucky and they have a uh, Cap as Sc- they appear Scrawny just Steve. basically Scrawny mm-hmm. Steve, um, and they try to have us connect it that way, but it 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 still is is jarring for me how they chose to do this with the yeah. reveal. Like it, it just feels unnatural because uh, you you don't fluidly connect that this is the same person, and then you sort of like try to fill in with this flashback it it doesn't work out for me i think part of what makes it particularly not work for me is that it's it it seems like it was probably done more recently than when they filmed uh the first avenger and uh sebastian stan has continued to age as most people do and so it's like he doesn't he like he doesn't look like he's 18 in that flashback right, right? so it's like i don't understand is this actually steve's childhood or or what's going on because this looks like you just made this last week um so well, yeah. and I think, too, that the first movie, there's not a lot of... We don't get a lot of character development for him. Like, because most of what we know about him is connected to Steve. And, like, it's not really a huge emotional note for me when he dies. It's like, oh, Steve lost his friend. That's sad. Right. But it's not like, oh, this guy with this this rich life and, you know, whatever. It's just this guy who was part of an entourage who Steve happened to know. And I think that if we if there had been more character development for him in the first movie I don't know how they would have fitted in like I'm not because that movie is packed but like I I feel like that connection would have been a little bit stronger too because that could have been like the I mean because Bucky kind of Bucky represents his connection to who he was before the serum right right and so his death could have been this much bigger deal but it just feels like a thing we have to do along the way to Steve dying uh, when he crashes the plane right um MCU does a pretty good job of reimagining characters and spinning them out, but also um, making reference to the comics and, you know, and, and they'll bring in characters who are not like in this movie, they, there's Batroc, who is this ridiculous villain called the Leaper in the comics. And here he's just a French or Moroccan, whatever pedantic crap that they did that the guys from shield say about that algerian oh, that's yeah. right algerian um uh but batrock right like it's who cares that it's batrock but i'm like oh it's batrock and he's speaking french of course he is but uh bucky is where that breaks down because bucky first off in the original captain america comics bucky is captain america's kid sidekick 
So they re- they reconceptualized Bucky as a best friend in this, but a key character in the history of Captain America. And then they have to explain that he died before Steve got frozen, and it's very tragic. And none of that, you know, they they don't have a lot of time to do that, but they they still stick with the basic outline of it, which is interesting. And then the Winter Soldier reveal again in the comics, Bucky is one of those characters who basically, unlike almost any character in comics, Bucky stayed dead for you know decades and decades before ed brubaker wrote this winter soldier storyline that revealed that bucky wasn't dead but instead had been brainwashed and turned into a sort of soviet assassin and again interesting story and from a comics perspective was a big deal but in the context of the movie i mean it's great that they took that story and kind of ported it in here but it's all kind of shorthand and as somebody who knew all of that even i can sort of see that it doesn't really work yeah there's mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of stuff that got kind of hand waved pretty quickly because it, again it's like is he a soviet assassin no he seems to be an assassin that just works for this guy who's in shield who's actually who's in hydra, hydra. Yeah. and because like because Zola both did something to him in the camps and is then also talking to him in flashbacks, but those flashbacks must have taken place after he fell off the train. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's, it, there's a lot that happens like real quick and it's like, he's got a red star, to, which yeah, is, why is he have a red star? Why? Which is because he was a Russian assassin in the comics, but he's not in the movie, but he still has the red star on his metal arm. Also, because yeah you know secret stealth assassin how much are they into branding it uh, yeah i I don't know (laughs) yeah i feel like the cold war stuff uh does not work at all in the mcu because they're having it take place in the modern day so every time we go back to like oh here is something from the uh, 1970s or 1980s or uh 1990s thing where it's supposed to be bridging the gap by referencing uh the cold war with russia we have Instead, this weird disconnect of, yes, it was this Russian thing, but now it's over here just because we need to keep moving and uh, yeah. just just go along with it. Uh, and you see that turn up again in the, the following uh, Captain America, quote unquote, movie uh, where it is about the Avengers, but there are more of these uh, sleeping soldier agents in another Soviet place. Um, so it, it is it is oddly, weirdly disconnected with stuff. And the way that Hydra is somehow a... Uh, both the Soviet and American institution that has infiltrated both both bodies, um, uh, both po- political uh, entities and 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 institutions, it, it makes it really convoluted to sort of keep track of why anyone would go through the trouble of taking over the world in this way, but. Uh, but it is woven in throughout this film. Yeah, Joe, Joe, let me help you out here. The easiest way to take over the world is to first take over the world secretly and then <laughs> take it over down secretly. Now, you'd think that sounds like I have to take over the world twice. And you'd be right. But let me sign you up <laughs> what, for Hydra. What good so, is it if it's secret? You want people yeah. to know that you run the world, right? Yeah. That's- if you don't have a handshake and can't whisper to people, hail Hydra creepily when you're not observing <laughs> normal laws about like personal space – is is it even worth running the world? I think so. um, the instinct to use the Winter Soldier story was I like I understand it, but and I think Sebastian Stan is fine. I think the I think Cap trying to get through and and being willing to sacrifice himself to save this guy who's trying to kill him because he knows that it's his friend and he got. I think that's all good from a character perspective. From a plot perspective, this movie would be way more straightforward if he just wasn't in the movie. Like, he, the Winter Soldier doesn't 
is never really integral to the plot. He just sort of shows up as a yeah. as a as a scary bad guy at a few points. He does get to drop in on uh, uh, Robert Redford's kitchen for briefings. That's that's creepy. Yeah, so. but he doesn't want some. He, mil- he want doesn't some want milk. any milk, apparently. <laughs> no. And then Robert Redford has to kill his housekeeper because she forgot her keys. Oh well, that that, that is a a very funny screenplay moment of oh. Robert Redford's really bad. If you didn't yeah. know already, he just killed his housekeeper. So now we're serious about this. Conspiring with a Winter Soldier wasn't enough of a hint. Uh, well, I, 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 just branching off of that briefly, I do have a question. Whether or not um, any of you actually believe that Robert Redford was a good person at any point in this film, um, from his interaction onwards, like, oh, yes, it's totally plausible that he is the good person in charge of everything. And he's just, he's the just big having a big meeting with the uh, the New World Order, you know, yeah. up in his. Yeah, I'm going to say that I was I was not sure whether he was going to be an out and out villain or whether he was, uh, you know, one of these. Um, it, you know, he gets results, you stupid chief kind of guys where he's like the the bureaucrat who is trying to navigate the the stupid, you know, world security, whatever group the hologram secret world order hologram people um so i i wasn't i wasn't positive that he was going to be a bad guy um i thought it was possible that he was going to be kind of like an impediment but not a bad guy and it turns out then yeah he was totally a bad guy you know as we've talked about all of this bucky stuff i i think maybe this is why a large part of why i don't like civil war is because this foundation, like this movie builds the foundation for civil war and it's so shaky. And then you add, and I know this isn't the civil war podcast, but then you add all of the convoluted, we're fighting because we can't communicate and we can't talk to each other and look at us. We're big burly men plot point. And the whole thing just falls apart for me. Yeah. And I think this is why I think that, that I I think you're onto something there that Mm -hmm. I enjoy civil war and I love winter soldier but they they built a huge part of the plot foundation of civil war on us caring about the relationship between cap and bucky and it's strange because i'm not sure that looking at the winter soldier you would say that that was the strongest part of the foundation upon which to build your next plot right like yeah yeah. i mean like a lot of people get murdered because three dudes can't have a conversation yeah Yeah. america i went into this rewatch thinking you know for a long time i basically said i think the winter soldier may be the best mcu movie but we'll see when i rewatch it and i i watched it and i said oh no i think I, i i think i still feel that way i think that this is a complete movie in a lot of ways um the it, you know, it is. I, I love the the kind of spy thriller tone. I think the the Robert Redford stuff in the you know the in the glass building the triskelion, which is totally destroyed mm-hmm. by the end, is good. I think the action sequences are good. I think Samuel Jackson gets the most to do in any movie here, and I love that about it. I think you could argue this is the best Black Widow performance. It is. In any no, of it is. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So they they get stuff to do where usually they're like way on the outskirts, but here they are really in the middle of the action with Captain America, which is, I, I think this is MCU character utilization at its strongest, really. Um, and so, so yeah, and it is about something. It is about this logical question that comes out of the first movie, which is in our modern era, what is the role of that of Captain America? Is he supposed to just accept what our government does? Or is he a moral force who has to question what our government does? And, you know, 
Hydra being inside S.H.I.E.L.D. is obviously a metaphor for, you know, various kinds of things about corruption and moral decay and rot of, surveillance of state. systems mm-hmm. and the creation of a surveillance state. And is your government, you know, you're, you're oppressing you or is it uh, protecting you? And all of those things are on the table here. And uh, clearly, I think this film has some opinions about it, but I think I love that it puts it all on the table as well. So, it, you know, for me rewatching it, I was like, yeah, I think I think I would still say that this is my favorite of the mcu movies just because it does so many things uh so well and uh and that's despite the fact that there's that super weird scene where they're in an apple store (laughs) (laughs) Uh, they're like twins i love that though only because or primarily because i've walked out of every avengers movie mad about black widow like just fuming about black widow and how she there's so much she could do but oh look no she 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 doesn't she can't the men take over whatever happens and in this movie she is capable and she saves his butt over and over and over again and i appreciate that that she is smart and on the ball and athletic and reflexive and well-trained and like all of these things that we're supposed to believe about her are actually true yeah. in this movie and they're not in the avengers movies yeah. and she saves and, mm-hmm. she saves steve at several points where she yeah. has the training and he doesn't get it and and that's really great and then they bicker at a couple of points where they're like professionals on the other side of opposite sides of an argument and those are really effective and then she's got her thing at the end where she mm-hmm. where she ends up sort of being a surprise participant in the final showdown and uh and and she's good there too yeah because yeah. i mean she is the spy in the spy movie yeah he is the soldier that is unfortunately caught up in all this stuff and he she has to give him like spy school 101 like over and over again to help yeah. navigate things and it, it it's great it unfortunately just kind of reminds you that like she could have had a prequel movie why, why not she mm-hmm. clearly has a, like plenty of things going on or yeah i don't know if it had to be a prequel movie but yeah there's there's no reason there couldn't have been a black widow movie um also it reminded me i had forgotten how much i hate the poster for this film which has like a, a horror horribly photoshopped black widow so that i don't like that part either i really think that uh this movie helps by being on a more human scale than uh an avengers movie typically is there's there's no intergalactic space god robot stuff uh in this like everything is about people fighting other people um and it you know it's it's america versus america uh it is um the these people who are normal human people for the most part except for bucky and except for captain america uh other than that everybody else is is just a person and uh she can really shine in that situation and you can still have tension and uh you can still have stakes that matter uh even on that scale and you can see uh her brilliance and intelligence and uh how she uh handles her own and the same goes for as as jason had said for nick fury because in an adventures movie he has to stand on the bridge of the the helicarrier and shout orders but in this one um you can throw him into the mix uh and uh you can you can really see why he is qualified to do what he does and also why he is paranoid um so (laughs) that that all that all works out and he can present a point of view um to contrast cap and uh you know, Scarlett Johansson can pre- present her point of view um, as a spy to contrast uh, with Cap and with Nick Fury. Uh, so I, I really think that it works uh, well. And 
I don't think any of these characters are uh, any of the characters we've discussed are as well served by any of the other films, um, even the sequel to this film. Uh, so I, I, I uh, like them here uh, most of all, and which it's it was my favorite uh, Marvel movie until Black Panther came mm. out. Yeah, mm. me too. Yeah, that, that is just a notch above this one, um, and and that is like Jason said, it has opinions, it has things to say about the the state that we live in and yeah. uh, moral obligations. So uh, I, I really appreciate that. The um, I wanted to mention when I was a kid and um, starting to read comics, the Captain America comic of the day was actually um, Captain America and the Falcon was, was how it was billed. Um, and there was a moment in this movie, like it, we go along, we go like more than an hour before um, Anthony Mackie gets to, to use his wings um, but I really enjoy that. I really enjoy that character. I like that. I love the first scene where mm-hmm. Steve is passing him as they're running around the reflecting pool. And then they have that chat because they are soldiers and they have this, they have this link and he says, you should come to the VA. Um, and you, you can impress the girls there. Right. But it's also like, you're a soldier. There are wounded people. Um, you could come visit them. And then Steve does that, which is great. Um, he also talks about how he, he, um, he flew, which is leads to that great mm-hmm. setup later, which is like, you said you were a pilot. He said, I never said I was a pilot, which is great. And then you, when you see him fly, it's really great. Cause it's like, he's the Falcon, but he's, he's a soldier who has military tech that lets him fly. And mm-hmm. that's such a great, I mean, it's a really cool thing. That scene where he's being chased by like, like missiles and fighter planes. And he's just a guy with wings is really great. It's, it's a really great moment in that sort of climactic battle that all the stuff he does before he kind of gets grounded. Um, and so Anthony Mackie is great. And that character is a lot of fun. And what they have him do mm-hmm. is a lot of fun. And I like that. He also is a representative of the modern soldier so that when they have, the, they have like the therapy group at the V, and steve comes and all of that like and then they go back to him and they need his they need his help um i just think that whole the whole through line with with uh with the falcon is really well done too i like how they i mean they kind of play up that like he believes in captain america and is just going to kind of follow captain america into battle and do whatever uh like i think he has at least one or more lines where he's that's just explicitly what he says is like you know whatever you say i'm with you right but like (laughs) but he still gets to have like a personality Uh and he's fun and and they do yeah i mean the fact that he is like a counselor at the va like that's that's a lot more than we get in a lot of other Marvel movies yeah. for a secondary character, right? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I I think he's really great, and you know he he's they, they use him a little bit more for uh, comedy in his later movie appearances, but um, yeah, it's it, with so much else going on in this movie and so many secondary characters, it's impressive that like he doesn't get lost um, because they do such a nice job with him. Yeah, he still has comedy in in this film too. Uh, mm-hmm. Like when he says, "You you people do eat breakfast, don't you?" Um, <laughs> That's one of my favorite little payoffs. Is and then later he's he's like, "Captain, you were ha- heavier than I thought you were," and he's like, "Yeah, I had a big breakfast." That's one of my favorite like little payoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's a uh, it's a good character, and and he doesn't get lost. He gets his moments to shine in this movie, and I always it, it warms my heart too because, like I said, when I was a kid. Captain America had a partner like the Falcon and Captain America that was like they teamed up that was in the 70s like they were a pair and so when they meet here it's like a little my 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 kid comic book reader uh 
in part of my brain was like, oh yeah, good. They're going to be buddies. And they are. And like at the very end, he's like, I'm going to, uh, you know, you don't have to come with me. And he's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to come with you. We're going to, we're going to find this guy. Like he's just, he's, he's not a comic book sidekick, but he is a, uh, a, a guy who wants to help too. Like, like Steve does. He's, he's a soldier and he's like Steve and he wants to help and do the right thing. And Steve, like, Steve does not, like, rescue him or save his life or any of the other yeah. tropes that you get for, like, building up your sidekick, you know, disposable fodder people. It's just like, no, you're like a guy I met a couple days ago and we connected because we have some some shared life experiences, yeah. even though I'm, like, 75 years older than you and have been trapped in ice. Um, <laughs> like, I can talk to you and I can't talk to anyone else, apparently. Um, yeah. Yeah, the – um. by the way, the – payoff of having him recommend the Marvin Gaye album and mm-hmm. he gets out his little book where he's written down all the things that that he's missed that people are telling him to see including it's a Star Wars and it's lined out and Trek instead <laughs> is the one that mm-hmm. makes me laugh but um the payoff that really gets me is when they're down there with Arnim Zola's computer and again in a rare moment yes. where Black Widow gets to be funny she says shall we play a game and and she turns to explain it to him and he's like yeah, I've seen that one, <laughs> which is great. It's like, he's working on the list. He's he's seen more mm. games now. You don't need to suggest it. And then I started to think to myself, oh, that's really interesting. Captain America, trying to figure out what's happened, learns about the Cold War. One of the ways he does that is he watches war games. I'm like, all right, that says something about the world we live in and how the world has changed since, since he was frozen in ice. And it's just a throwaway joke. And yet, there's something there, even in that one line about like what is this world that he's come back to that he's seen war games he knows that mutually assured nuclear destruction is something that's built into the world it's while it's still a funny joke but no no thai food though that's that's a little weird yeah sad i don't know well i mean there is that line where he says the food's better now you know we just boiled everything Mm -hmm. so he's still still working on it he's working on it i mean he also doesn't live in a tenement anymore presumably so like i mean his his station in life is a little different than it was actually tony they rebuilt the set and he just lives in that in that set and looks out at the at the uh, photograph of brooklyn in in the the sub basement of shield oh yeah Does anyone else think it's weird that he lives in just like an apartment building where there's an a, a laundry room and he has a washer dryer that is a luxury that other units in this this mm. apartment building don't have? <laughs> the, the Sharon Carter uh, is she called Sharon Carter in the movie or is that just like she's implied? just but, called Sharon in in this okay, one? But, but yeah, but we know the comic book character Sharon Carter. Uh, it feels like they they meant to write more for that plot thread and then didn't yeah. or something. Like it's it's a little weirdly truncated. Uh, it's almost like they wanted to have like Sharon Carter and Maria Hill in this movie, and but didn't want to give either of them enough to do. I feel bad for them. Right? She's a sta- she gets um, Emily Van Camp is officially Sharon Carter in Civil War. I think when she comes back, but um, doesn't get a lot to do. Yeah, I mean, I like her. I like the idea that Natasha is trying to set him up with her. And um, and then through hindsight of realizing that she's an agent, that this has all just been a setup, mm-hmm. <laughs> that she's she's I mean, not necessarily. I mean, she may be trying to set them up anyway, but she's also there under a pretense 
uh, because she's been assigned to watch over him. So what Mm -hmm. I'm assuming is that, yeah, that S.H.I.E.L.D. owns that building. (laughs) (laughs) I think Natasha just likes suggesting who to set Steve up with because he Mm -hmm. finds it. Co-workers. Like, I think think she is amused by it because he is mildly annoyed by it. And that's Mm -hmm. just that's part of their co-worker dynamic that I enjoy. Yeah. Also, they, they it basically is just him talking about Bucky the rest of the movie if you don't have any uh, female love interest for him. Um, yeah. So, that, they, they probably, I assume, felt some need to do that. Well, there was also the, the you know, I mean, it, at least they didn't go in this movie to explain that th- this is literally Peggy Carter's niece um, or mm-hmm. grandniece or mm-hmm. whatever. But Just creepy. Th- but it, there is the, yeah, cause I think that's why they didn't. But uh, what... <laughs> I like about it is there is this, you know, he see, he sees Peggy and she's very old and she's kind of confused and it's very sad. And then, then the woman across the, the hallway from him is she's very nice and all that. And I feel like the feeling that kind of tug back and forth of like the thing that was just a moment ago for him, but is lost. And then this new possibility and how that's all very kind of bittersweet. And he doesn't know what he really wants to do. Like Natasha says, it's the first kiss you've had since 1944 or whatever. Um, like, I think the, I think that all goes together to build this case that Steve is a man out of time and he isn't quite right yet. And he doesn't, know quite what he's feeling about his place in the world and that fits into the larger story where he doesn't really know either so that's why i thought it was effective that that natasha's trying to set him up and there's the woman across the um across the hallway and all of that and the sad sort of scene with peggy in her um, nursing home all of that i think did fit thematically another reason i like this movie uh, yeah it's a great movie i i i'm gonna have to revisit like i've only seen black panther the one time so i i'm, I'm gonna i'm uh, recent movies i'm holding off on where i'm gonna slot them but i was very pleasantly um reminded how much i like the winter soldier and i like i like the original captain america too because it's so fun it feels it's like comfort foodie to me in a way that winter soldier mm-hmm. isn't but i think winter soldier just if I'm thinking about a, a movie that's going to make me think and also has good action and it also funny and has good use of characters like Winter Soldier ticks all the all the boxes for me. Yeah, I mean, it's not the most like brilliant spy war, no, you know, movie, but for Marvel, it's still like, yeah. a Marvel superhero yeah. movie with like like probably three more giant action set pieces scenes than are necessary, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It is still <laughs> that movie, but it's got a bunch of other stuff in it that's good too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know what what action set piece I would cut out of this movie is the other funny thing about about the winter soldier yeah because they're all pretty well done is is exciting but i don't know if it's needed uh it's and there's kind of a lot of parts to it right there's kind of multiple little mini actions in that and then the the first chase scene with with bucky might be a little bit too i i don't know i always get occasionally a little thrown by what is captain america's like full kind of durability because sometimes he seems to, and I mean, I guess, you know, it's what it, whatever he needs it to be. Sometimes he really pours it on. Uh, cause, cause sometimes it's like he's very tough and athletic and sometimes he is clearly superhuman. I think I, I was particularly reminded of that in the, his, when he's first Captain America in, uh, f- uh, the first Avenger. And I like the part where he like, he's running and he can't corner right and he crashes into the, uh, the, the, the shop window. Right. But then later he's like jumping over cars and I was like, can he, can he always jump over cars? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, 
it feels a little bit more like Spider-Man or something than uh, something a big guy can do. I, I I felt like rushing, like him smashing through drywall in this movie, chasing people, works a little bit better than leaping over cars. But I was still like, is that what he can he always do that? I don't know. He jumps out of um, a plane without a parachute. He jumps too. out of a plane without a parachute. That that just seems like a bad idea. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> like why not? The parachutes are there. He's impatient. Um, he wants. He, do you see how much he got done before the other guys even landed with their parachutes? I mean, that's, that's true. I, but I mean, can you just jump out a little early? I don't know. That seems like a bad idea. Yeah. Like, what if you hit your head? Um, <laughs> I'm concerned about you, Captain America. Yeah, well, that's why he has the helmet. He should keep the helmet on. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like, you know, safety first. That's my okay. feeling. Okay, good. Anything we haven't discussed about these two movies that we should uh, t- talk about before we go? Uh, the Under Armour shirt is surprisingly tight. I think he could have bought something else. But huh. I think that's about it. I think right. I've, I've covered everything I want to say. Full credit to Under Armour. <laughs> this time through, I was like, well, um, you know, welcome to the 21st century, Steve Rogers. You're doing product placement. Good job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Na- Natasha buys his shirts and she intentionally gets them in that size. Yeah, so, um, that could be. She's a spy. She's sneaking into his closet and switching out the labels. It's it's real, real frustrating. <laughs> so To wrap it back around again, like... Uh, you know, as a as a longtime comic book reader, yeah, Captain America. There are good stories with Captain America, but a lot of times he's just he, he's kind of boring. Like he's just kind of boring. Um, and Marvel managed to make some of the best and most interesting movies using that character at the center, and that's credit to the writers, credit to the directors, and credit to Chris Evans for holding it all together. I think all of those things are true, um, but. Uh, I think we're fortunate to have good Captain America movies, and uh, and we did. So, you know, hooray. I'm happy hooray. about that. Yay! USA! Yay, America! USA! USA. <laughs> or at least yay, Chris Evans. We'll say that. Because what, what do we decide? He's the, he's the favorite of the Chris's. All right. Um, next up on the Summer of Marvel, we are going to be revisiting the Avengers movies. So that that is the opportunity, and and this will tell you what I think of them. We'll talk about the Avengers movies uh, one and two, and Captain America: Civil War because it's an Avengers movie. So we'll be yep. with with the benefit of hindsight. Uh, we're gonna look back. I think it's gonna be interesting to look back on those movies and see uh, with a few years in the review what we think of them. Um, and, uh, and then we'll move on to do more because the summer of Marvel will continue. But for now, I would like to thank my guests for taking apart these two wonderful Captain America movies with me this evening. Tony Sindelar, thank you very much. Uh, my pleasure, Jason. Goodbye, nerds. Aline Sims, thank you. I'm sorry my opinions on Chris's are so polarizing. It's okay. Everybody gets to have <laughs> opinions about Chris's. Uh, it's uh, just I, that's my personal uh, <laughs> credo is uh, opinions welcome opinions for all opinions about Chris's welcome and Joe Rosenstiel thank you thank you and thanks to everybody out there for listening the summer of Marvel continues next week because you know there are lots of these movies and the summer stretches <laughs> on and on and on until then dear listener goodbye Chris mm-hmm. Evans. He's Chris the best Evans. Chris. <laughs> Indeed. I, I, more, more than Chris Hemsworth? Yes. Mm. Yep. I, I mean, I would give it to him, too, but, you know, I, I understand the appeal. <laughs> That's fine. You know, they're all good. We can all like our Chris's. No, 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 no. <laughs> 
Chris Pine is awful in every movie. I'm no. I'm staking this. This is no. my stake in the ground. Oh, you're gonna get Whoa. tweets now. No. Yeah, they can. They, people can tweet at me. It's okay. I will die on this hill. 